on in our series about Plan A. It links in with uh, uh, the um, theme for this year of... Uh, how we go? Is it connected yet? Not connecting for some reason? There we are. Set free in 23. So looking at our freedom in Christ and what that means for us, each one of us, and looking at how we might encourage others to discover freedom in Christ as well. Certainly plan A we're looking at. Cheryl, you're going to have to step it for me. It's not working for some reason. I don't know why. There we are. Was that me or you? Oh, good. (laughs) So we started last week with looking at plan A and how um, we we need to uh, know how to live out the gospel, how to grow, how to share the gospel with people in a natural and and, uh, specific way. So we're continuing plan A this morning. And Jesus, we're going to look at a passage in, in, in John chapter 4, so you might like to turn there if you use your Bible. We'll have it up on the screen. Where, where Jesus asked something of someone. And it was the intro, it was the introduction to a deeper discussion and a theological discussion and uh, quite a good model for us. Not that we should use it as a, 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 a formula or a recipe, but certainly it gives us insight into how we can connect with people. I'm going to share some observations uh, on that particular passage from, on the, from the basis of knowing, because knowing people is relationship, relational and disciple-making is relational as well. What happened last week? Do you remember some of the things we talked about in Plan A last week? We talked about growing. We talked about that we need to grow like Christ in our character. We need to grow like Christ in our conduct and we need to grow like Christ in our commitment. And so today we're going to be looking at this knowing people relationally, knowing Christ relationally and then knowing people relationally as well. It's a principle that we need to think about this morning and decide what we're going to do about it. Uh, What sort of relationships do we already have with people around about us? those that are family and friends, those that are contacts in the community. If we are going to make disciples, like Matthew chapter 28 and the last couple of verses say, then we need to be out there amongst people. We need to be amongst people, having relationships with people. We need to have relationships with people that don't know Jesus yet. So they might hear about Jesus and come to faith in him. We might... We need to be having relationships with people who might ask the same question that Jesus asked of the lady in this passage. So turn to John chapter 4 with me, and I'll be reading from verse 4 through to verse 14. And this is what it says. Now he, that's Jesus, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down at the well. It was about the sixth hour. What hour is that? Midday. They start at six in the morning. So the sixth hour is midday. It's about midday. That's significant. Verse 7. When, Jesus, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? What was the question he asked? Will you give me a drink? Think about that. I'll refer to it a few times. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. That's the town of Sychar. The Samaritan woman said to him, 
you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. That's John's parenthesis there as the author of the Gospel. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water brackets of the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Is that a familiar passage for us from the Gospels? I'm sure it is. But the question Jesus asked was what? Will you give me a drink? That's, that's all he said to this woman when she came up to him. Will you give me a drink? That was the start of the interaction. So the first observation I want to bring to you this morning is that Jesus was intentional about having this interaction with the lady that day, with the woman that day. He was intentional. He was intentional. Verse 4 says that he had to go through Samaria. Well, that's not true. Hold on, Pastor John's saying the Bible's not true. No, I'm saying he, he did have choices. It wasn't normal for Jewish people to go through Samaria. Uh, let me see if I've got a map here. Yes, I have. I don't know if you can see that map, but it's a map of Israel. In brief, the lower part is Judea, the middle part is Samaria, and the upper part is Galilee. And normal, normally, Jewish people travelled between Galilee and Judea fairly regularly for trade and for uh, festivals and for uh, religious practices and all this. But what they would do, what most Jewish people would do, they would go by the sea between uh, Judea and Galilee, or they would go Transjordan, uh, I think it says Perea there, they would go Transjordan to the east of the Jordan and they would bypass Samaria. And there was a reason for that. But Jesus was intentional. It says there, and in every translation that I've found, it says he had to go through Samaria. There was a purpose in him going through Samaria. He was intentional about going there. Why was this region obnoxious to the Jews? Well, the bit of the history was that even though the Samaritans shared a bloodline all the way back to Abraham, the Samaritans had allowed other races, other countries to come in and intermarry with the Jewish people, whereas the people of Judea and the people of Galilee didn't do that as much. And certainly it become... Sadly, uh, the Jews saw Samaritans as half-breeds, as apostates, those that were going against the true Jewish religion. And over the history of time, there was even major bloodshed between the Samaritans and the Jews. And so to the point when we come to in Jesus' day, that had, that had alleviated a little bit, but there was this, still this, as it were, a smouldering tension between the Judeans, or the Jews of Judea and Galilee and the Samaritans. So if you could avoid going through Samaria, you would. But Jesus didn't. The Bible says he had to go through Samaria. I wonder how intentional are we 
when, when it comes to doing things. You know, I don't know about you, but I tend to take the easy road. Anybody like that? You know, you take the load, the road that's uh, less energetic or less emotional or whatever. But sometimes you just have to do the hard yards, don't you? Sometimes you just have to talk with somebody or go and, go and see somebody that you know it's going to be difficult. And uh, it's just life and you have to do it. But most of us tend to avoid those things if we can. What about when it comes to people who are not yet Christians? Do we tend to avoid them too? Do we tend to skirt around any meetings that they might be in or that we, that, that, uh, we should go to but it doesn't really matter if we don't go to? I don't know, is that your thinking? Well, Jesus wasn't like that. Often we get into the habit of, of taking those uh, paths of diversion rather than paths of direction to get where we're going. If we're following Jesus, then we need to think about if we're going to be intentional about the things that we do, particularly when it comes to making relationships with not yet followers of Jesus, unbelievers. Are we intentional about doing that? If we stop being intentional, we will lose any relationship we might have, whether it be family members or friends. We will lose that relationship because they don't know Jesus. It's sad, isn't it? In fact, some of the statistics say that um, if you know somebody who's not a Christian yet, it actually takes five years of not interacting with them to not see them as a person at all. Isn't that sad? And yet we know, we know that Christ died for all mankind. So we should, we should be intentional just like Jesus was. I wonder, do you have those intentional friendships in your life? Um, it's hard. It's hard when people move houses, when people move jobs, when people move countries, when people move interstate. It's hard to maintain those friendships. It's hard to meet new neighbours. It's hard to meet new work people and to develop new friendships with them. Thankfully, I'm thankful that the church provides some consistency. Whether you're in Perth, Western Australia, uh, or here, or overseas, the church that we belong to, that we're a part of, that we identify with through Christ, offers that consistency that we need as people. We form those relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ uh, week after week. We look forward to seeing people. We miss people when they're not around. And that's what Jesus planned. So he was intentional when he spoke with this lady. He had a plan for her. But the hardest part of being intentional is that we need to put some energy into it. So a question I ask you this morning, you might like to ask this of yourself. Who do I know or do I know anyone that doesn't know Jesus yet? I'd be very surprised if there wasn't someone that we know that doesn't know Jesus yet. The second question is, how can I be intentional and starting to get to know that person better or starting to get to know them to the point where they would be happy for me to talk to them about what I believe? It might be simply saying, what did Jesus say? What was the question? So how would we put that in today's term? Do you want to have a cuppa? Yeah? Come around for a coffee. Let's go for a coffee. Come for a meal. It might be as simple as that. It's that 
determined, intentional approach of people. The second observation I want to make out of this passage is that uh, Jesus intentionally seeks out people that are different to him. Like the Samaritan woman was very different to him. She was different from her ethnicity. She was different from her religious background. She was different from her uh, gender. And for him, a Jewish man who was speaking to a Samaritan woman at that time of the day would have been very, very confronting for other people. It was a culture where a married man in public very rarely spoke to his wife, let alone to a single woman. But here we have Jesus going outside those boundaries to speak to this woman who is not his wife. He was crossing this social class as well. Like he was a rabbi, he was a teacher, and he had uh, disciples following him. We understand that this woman had previously been married five times, we don't know why, but she had been vulnerable to the point where people looked down on her. So to come out at midday was not the normal day when people would go to get the water. They would normally go in the early hours of the morning, late hours of the afternoon when it was cooler. And the middle of the day was, was for people, women who were outcast, as it were, by society. So Jesus was crossing that, that, that societal barrier as well. He crosses every barrier in order to speak to that woman. So it was certainly intentional, wasn't it? He didn't have to go through Samaria. He chose to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. How do we go crossing barriers in our society? How do we go relating to people who are very different to us? Some of us tend to, uh, dare I say, be like the Pharisees and religious leaders, cross the other side of the road and walk up the other side of the road. That's happened. Some of us get uneasy about people with different backgrounds, different cultures. I wonder what God's saying to us today about being intentional towards people that we meet. Our area is facing heaps of changes, isn't it? Lots of people moving to our area. We even let Victorians in. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. Um, Got to be careful. It's being recorded. (laughs) But you know what I mean. We, we have these ideas or these impressions of people that limits us from connecting with them in any real way. And I think God's saying to us, certainly he's showing us in Jesus' example, that we need to be prepared to risk it with people. We need to be, be intentional and cross some of those barriers, even if it seems like um, people would criticise us for doing that. Crossing barriers does make us feel uncomfortable. But Jesus gave a great example. I wonder if there's a person you can think of or a time that you can think of when when you had to cross a barrier of some sort, whether it be racial or whether it be a societal or uh, in, in, our, in our culture. And God did something amazing when you did that. I've seen that happen a number of times in my life. Uh, sometimes... We get so adapted to our church culture that we tend to shy away from uh, people that we disagree with or might disagree with us or people who live life differently to us. We tend to shy away. And that's not the way God intended it to be. What was the question that Jesus asked? Will you give me a drink? A very simple, innocent question that he asked of somebody that he knew he had to speak with. 
The third observation that I want to look at today is that Jesus was asking for help. This is an interesting thing to think about. He was being vulnerable with that person. Uh, One scholar, a guy by the name of Kenneth Bailey, he lived in the Middle East for a while and he points out that when Jesus asks for help, he actually blesses the woman because in that culture it is only the strong who are able to give help to others. So what he was saying, he was affirming the dignity of that woman, He he was affirming the ability of her to help him, he was lifting himself up He was making himself a servant or lower. Interesting perspective from a cultural perspective. I wonder how much of our sharing the gospel with people happens when we become vulnerable with people. When we look for the strengths in others and allow them to minister to us. I think it's hard for us to ask for help. It's hard for us to be humble. It's hard for us to speak about our needs. But you know, when somebody sees that they can help us and we respect them enough to ask them to help us, often it's the catalyst for them being willing to to listen to us. I don't know what happens in your street, but we've got a really good thing going in our street. Um, We've got neighbours that uh, if we're going on holidays, uh, they'll put our bins out, bring them in, or if they're on holidays, we'll put their bins out, bring them in. if we need some, uh, the guy next door used to be a butcher, so if I need some meat cut up, he'll either show me how to do it or he'll do it for me. Hopefully he does it for me. Um, so there's a good interaction there. But there's also an opportunity to talk with them. They're not yet followers of Jesus. There's a good opportunity to talk to them when we're doing something together, talking about the garden or something like that, to actually look for an opportunity to talk about Jesus. And they feel as though they've helped us. And it's not, a, it's not a ploy, it's not a trick, because I did need the help. But it's a building up of a relationship and showing people that we don't have all the answers as Christians, that we are people of need as well. Did Jesus really need that drink of water? Who's got an answer to that one? But he asked for it. Was it a trick? No, it wasn't a trick. I think he needed it. He'd been walking for six hours. He sat down at the well hot and probably smelly, but very thirsty. So I think he legitimately needed that drink of water. So we're not to put an act on. We're not going to put a front on. And if if people see us as genuine and that, that we are people who are vulnerable and in need and that they can address that need, then that's an opening for developing a relationship with them. Trust is built when people are vulnerable. One researcher, Breen Brown is her name, she studied this whole idea of vulnerability and she discovered that building trust takes vulnerability between the people. Trust is earned in the smallest deeds repeated time and time again. A drink of water. I mean, she would have had to put the bucket down or whatever and it was a bit of an effort, but it it seems like a simple thing, doesn't it? Gone are probably the days when the neighbours come over and ask for a cup of sugar because you've got to do brown, alternate, you know, doesn't happen anymore. But, but if our neighbours do ask us for things, there is that vulnerability. Um, our neighbours uh, got a flash smart TV 
and they switched it on. It's a TV that's got like a Siri or something like that. can't remember the name of it. But it started to get angry with them because they weren't saying the right thing and started swearing at them and they got really offended. When this TV in the laundry was... So we, we, they said, come and help us. So I shut it off. It was sort of like asking for a drink, you know? Come and help me with this smart TV. Are you willing, is the question, to build trust by being vulnerable with people to the point where they will, can help you and serve you? Final observation this morning. We've talked about being intentional, being vulnerable with people. Jesus is looking for the one. Do you know, if he had no other reason for going through Samaria on that trip, it was just for that one woman. If you read on the story, what happens in the story? Anybody know? She goes into the town and she says, come and meet this man. He has told me about everything I've ever done. Is he the Christ? So it wasn't just for one person, was it? It was for all who believed. So I wonder if we look for the one in our day, in our week. Are we looking for that one person that we might establish a relationship with of trust, of vulnerability, being intentional about it, but looking for the one who God is calling to themselves? Uh, Over the years, uh, some people have talked about having a divine encounter uh, with people, you know, a God moment. You know, I was having this, I was walking down the road and I saw this fellow I hadn't seen for years, uh, went to school together and we caught each other's eye, said g'day and the next thing that he asked me is, what are you doing these days? So then my choice is, am I vulnerable enough to say, oh, I'm, I'm a teacher. What do you teach? Then I have to choose, am I going to tell him that I teach the Bible? Most of the time I do. Don't shy away from that. But it's that sort of divine encounter. Um, What if that happens to you? What if there's a moment when you recognise, without anything verbal, you have this gut feeling which says, God's in this. What do you do about it? Can I suggest you do one thing? Go for it. Go for it. Be in the moment. Say, God, pray. One of those SOS prayers. God, what do you want me to do now? What do you want me to say now? But if we're not looking for that one that God has prepared for us to talk to, we'll miss them every time if we're not looking for that one. Over the years, uh, missionaries have had, and certainly uh, current day, there's an organisation that I'm familiar with called Praxis. They have the approach of going into isolated towns and before they go they pray that God will lead them to the uh, man of peace or the person of peace, the one the person of peace they call them and someone who's who's seeking God but they don't know it yet someone who's looking for peace in their own life but they don't, haven't found it yet that, that God might lead them to that one person and often they'll just go down to the street and have a cup of coffee at the cafe, start a conversation with somebody And God will say to them, this is the one. And so their next step is usually, do you know much about the Bible? Have you heard about Jesus? Would you like to read the Bible with me? And I've heard so many stories how how that's just an introduction comment. And that person has started on a journey where eventually they come to faith in Jesus. But are we looking for the one? Jesus was. 
He didn't have to go, but he had to go through Samaria. And what was that question that he asked the lady? Will you give me a drink? What might me say? What what what, what might we say? Do you want to have a cup up? Let's grab a meal. What would it take for you to ask somebody a similar question? Are you going to live out this principle of knowing others? Of knowing others and inviting people to know Jesus? I love Charles Schultz. To make a difference in someone's life, you don't have to be brilliant, rich, beautiful or perfect. You just have to care. Do we care enough for the people that perhaps we haven't met yet, we don't know very well, to ask them the question, not do they believe in Jesus, but would you like to have a couple with me and see where that friendship goes? Because they won't know about you. They may not know about Jesus until they see Jesus in you, until they hear your story about what you know to be true about Jesus. It might mean being vulnerable. It might mean being uncomfortable. But it does mean being willing to do what God asks us to do and to go where he leads us. To invite the one to get to know Jesus. And guess what? They may actually eventually drink of that living water that he offers to all of us as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have a plan for us. And the plan for us is to go, is to be amongst people who don't yet know Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Lord, all of us have got contacts in the community. All of us have got neighbours in the street. Lead us to the one, we pray. Lead us to that person of peace. Lead us to that one who is searching for something right now so that we might be able to point them to Jesus. Father, we pray that we will see people coming to faith in Jesus to the point where we have to start another church, to the point where we have to be vulnerable and tell them the truth about ourselves and about you. Father, we look forward to what you're going to do. Help us to look for the one this week, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.